We are living in the world of social media where everyone can almost find and see everyone else. Some people are thriving in this age of explosive self-communication via Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And we can even coin the term for these people, social media influencers or social influencers. These social influencers brag about their experience and claim expertise and even promote product, of course, monetizing their profit through all in all as we, many of us, follow them. I'm not against the social influencers or even bragging. In this age of social media, we all self-promote or self-communicate to a lesser or greater degree. The question is, what would be proper and positive bragging? The real question for Christians is that do we glorify God or gratify ourselves in our social media? Today, I want us to learn from a holy influencer about the holy bragging. I want to share with you the holy bragging of Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 to 33. And before I read the passage, I want you to know that we are about to enter into one of the most ironic and inspiring passages in the Bible. As I said before, Paul's theology is not just about believing Jesus alone, but it's about boasting Jesus above all things. Paul is a Christ-boasting theologian, Jesus-bragging evangelist. The word boast appears 55 times in the New Testament and 46 times, 46 times, more than 80% appears in Paul's letters. So Paul's theology is a bragging theology or boasting theology. For Paul, faith is not just a cognitive or a consentive but it's a confident and celebratory. And starting with uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 to actually chapter 2, verse 9, we will hear the word boasting for 13 times, most intensely gathered. So theme of this section in Paul's second letter to Corinthians is a boasting. Here, in today's text, I want us to learn three important things about a holy bragging. And I hope you all can imitate Paul's, Paul and our bragging also glorifies Christ. And so, here we learn three truths about bragging. So question one is that uh, why do we brag? And number two, what do we brag? And number three, how do we brag? So why, what, and how? So first, first one about uh, uh, why, let's look at the verse 16. 23. Let me read. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with the fools, since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you, or exploits you, or takes advantages of you, or puts on airs, or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit 
that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelite? So am I. So are they the Abraham's descendant? So am I. Are they the servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been prisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. The first thing that we notice about Paul's bragging is that Paul was a very hesitant. Paul was a very hesitant and reluctant to boast because boast, boasting is a foolishness. Earlier chapter, uh, chapter um, earlier verse one, chapter eleven, verse one. Paul said, "I hope you will prop with me in a little foolishness." Yes, please prop with me. Paul said, and everybody knows that only fools brag about themselves. All sensible people, a little bit of a commonsensical people, little bit of a life experience, even non-believers would agree on Paul on the foolishness of a boasting. So I checked some, you know, what other different different cultures talk about boasting, and uh, overall, it's a very negative. For instance, a German proverb says, "Mules, mules are always boasting their ancestors were horses." Did you hear? The mules always boasting their ancestors were horses. So according to Germans, boasting comes from an inferior complex. People who boast. They 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 have an inferior complex. French, they say, great posters are little doors. Great posters are little doors. Big mouth, little hand. And the Spanish said, there are three too much and three too little. That can bring a fool down. Too much spending and too little money. I think uh, some of us dangerously close to this in this. Uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday temptation. Too much spending or too little money. Too much talking and too little knowledge. Too much boasting and too little earning. And my favorite is a Thai proverb about boasting. Thai people say, "Who is a timid in the woods or jungle, they boast at home. Cowards in the jungle, they're the champions at home." Seems like uh, talking about myself, so I I like that, very good. So once again, most people know boasting is not a good thing, and the wise people refuse to boast, and the you know most fool usually fools succumb to the boasting. Then why in the world Paul you know boast? Actually, here in verse in this text today, our text I just read. Paul used the word "full" five times, verse 16, 17, 19, and 21. Paul repeatedly said, "Allow me to be a fool for a second." Now, why was Paul was boasting and bragging like a fool? Because Paul found out boasting is the last resort to speak to Corinthians and help them. So boasting was boasting. First thing about boasting. Is a has, Paul was a hesitant, but he did it as a last resort because it was a helpful measure. And some people 
need a little bit of a boasting. And uh, so Paul said, uh, actually, I didn't re read this first, but the Paul has an opponent in Corinthians. After Paul left, some strange Jewish Christians claimed the Jewish Christian, you know, uh, evangelists or so-called apostles came, and they boasted themselves to gullible Corinthian Christians, and these Corinthian Christians, they, are, they have a knack for foolish boasting. They themselves are very boastful people, and they fell in this uh, false boasting of uh, Paul's you know, opponent. So that's why Paul is uh, doing it. So verse 18, Paul said, Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. So Paul is uh, bringing the boasting strategy of his opponent to help them to recognize Paul's apostleship. So Paul is using the enemy's measure or strategy to help Corinthians. So what's the main difference between Paul's boasting and uh, you know, this, uh, this false apostle's boasting? Even though both talk about themselves, the content and the manner of boasting are very different. And, and about that, the regarding the content and manner, we will see in the next two, two points. But I want to say this. Paul wants to say that Paul was boasting so that they will really recognize his apostleship. Because without recognizing apostleship, they don't, they, they, they don't appreciate what a wonderful gospel they receive from him. So look at the verse 3. Do we have a verse 3? Chapter 11, verse 3. Okay, Lee, if you don't have, that's okay. If those of you have a Bible, look at the verse. Paul said, I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by serpent's cunning, your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and the pure devotion to Christ. If someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, a different gospel from one you accepted, you prop with it easily enough. Paul here was saying this. He's connecting the Paul said these are false apostles. Their gospel is dangerous. Paul compared to that the original sin story, the Eve's fall into Satan's. The, the serpents in a lie. That's how much Paul said, gospel I preached is a really important. I mean, that's the true gospel. And then Paul connected his apostleship to his gospel. That's why Paul said, you need to recognize my apostleship. And unlike these people, actually in verse 5 said, they are claimed to be a super apostles. My gospel is from God and Christ is a true gospel. That's why Paul was, a Paul was a boasting and bragging. So Paul's boasting is not to himself. It's not drawing uh, Corinthians to himself. Of course, to his apostleship, but ultimately through him, he wants to point out the gospel and Christ. So Paul's boasting is not a self-propaganda or self-promotion, but it's a Christ-centered and Christ-honoring. It's all about what Christ led him to do. So, in this regard, Paul has become what Eastern Orthodox tradition called 
or wholly for or full for Christ. You know, Russian Orthodox and the Eastern Orthodox define their saint, saint as a holy for. If you really want to be saints of God, you have to be crazy for Jesus like a fool. We all know the song that only fool fall, what is that? Uh, uh, what is a fool for fall in love? You know, fools fall in love. You know, those who fall in love are fools, right? And those who fall in love with the Christ, they are holy fools. And the greater, uh, and then so Dostoevsky, great Russian, you know, writer, he wrote a, a novel to illustrate this. That is a novel title is the idiot, the 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 saint, the main character of that novel, the prince. He's actually people think he's a fool, but he's a holy fool. And great American Christian writer Flannery O'Connor once said, "You shall know the truth." And then truth shall make you odd and strange. When you follow Christ, you become full, strange to the world. Actually, biblical meaning of a holy is a set apart or different or strange from the world. That's what the holy, bra holy bragging is. That's what Paul is trying to do. So Paul is doing what fools are doing. That is a bragging, but bragging very hesitantly because it's helpful to the people. On this note, I want to clarify one thing. You know, once in a while, I'll tell people that I'm a PhD in theology. Why? Am I saying that because, uh, you know, I want to tell people that I'm better than other pastors because I have a PhD? I want you to know that why I mention my PhD, I have a terminal degree once in a while. So I'm telling you my reason so that if someone who does not know me, if they ask you if Pastor Paul is an elitist or, you know, I, I'm in love with the titles and the names, please clarify for me, defend my intention. First of all, I don't believe and think the PhDs are smarter than non-PhDs. You know, some people think I'm smart because I have a PhD. Not, not really. You know, the difference between my life before PhD and after PhD is this. Before PhD, I didn't know how much I didn't know. After PhD, I know a little better than how much I don't know. So still, I don't know. I just gauge better now. That's the difference. And, and also second of all, especially in my subject, my expertise or theology or ministry, I want you to know the greatest theologian of a modern time is a non-PhD, is a pastor. Karl Barth is not a PhD. And the all theologians know that he's better than all PhDs. His thought is deeper. People jokingly say, what PhD can give a PhD, bestow the PhD hood on Karl Barth? I have a, uh, my, one of my professors at Golden Gate, Bill Hendricks. He was a, he's, a, he's a one of the top Baptist theologians, director of a PhD program in Southern Seminary and Southwestern. I mean, recognized a Baptist theologian when he was young with the other four other PhD 
theologians, young theologians from different denominations in America, they visited the Basel, Switzerland, and met Karl Barth. And Karl Barth looked at all this uh, aspiring young theologian with a smile and, oh, so many doctors, so many doctors, so many doctors. And then Bill Hendricks said he never felt so small and kind of ashamed of his degree, doctoral degree because he's a great, here before them, there's a brilliant mind. And yet he's not a PhD. <laughs> you know, Tim Keller is a great teacher of uh, our evangelical churches in nowadays, right? And some people call him uh, Dr. Keller. They don't realize that he's not a PhD. He has a doctor of ministry. And the many pastors that I know, they love being PhD, I mean doctors. So, but a PhD takes so long. Commitment is incredibly compared to, you know, demon. So they go all demon and they, they got a doc, you know, doctoral degree and they call, you know, each other doctor. You know what? I'm either one of them. I, I'm not. The reason I talk about PhD, listen to me carefully. For me, that's a testimony. For me, my PhD education was a theological, spiritual pilgrimage and odyssey in which God led me to my spiritual home. I studied with a modern theology. I went to Princeton Seminary. I learned Reformation theology. I learned the Cal Calvin and Luther. And then God graciously led me to Baylor where I found patristic theology, theology of early Christians and early church fathers. That's where I really found out depth and breadth and height of the gospel. And what we believe is really the truth. For that, I gave up 10 years of my life, prime time, age of 37 to 48. 11 years, I read close to 2,000 books, spent a fortune on the books. The, all the money I spent the book, I can buy a luxury car easily. Why I'm talking about all this? Whenever I mention PhD, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying about the gospel. That's what I'm mentioning in PhD. I'm not a, you know, I, I don't want to be called the oh, Reverend Dr. Paul Kim. You know, that's not the title that I'm going for. Gospel that we share in our church, at least you learn from me, you can bet your life. You can ask Yoon Kim. He's, uh, he, you know, he's joining us from California. He's a member and leader of my first church. When I left that church after 10 years, church was thriving. People were missing me. I left it all behind because before I started the second half of my ministry, I want to make sure that I'm a, I know the gospel and that I can really help people to understand the gospel. Unfortunately, all my theological education previously didn't prepare me enough. I felt lacked, lacking. That's why I went. So to make a long story short, I understand why Paul is hesitant about talking about PhD. I mean, you know, he's bragging. So I intentionally don't put PhD in the, my, uh, my title, except my email, because, you know, dealing with some pastors, you have, to, you have to have a little bit of leverage. I'm sorry. People don't know me. That's how judge me. So I have to play the game. Other than that, you know why I'm talking about PhD. I'm very, very hesitant. Let me move on quickly. I'm, I, I'm mumbling here. 
Second thing, so holy bragging is, is a hesitant, but if it's helpful, we do it. Second thing about holy bragging, let me tell you. Paul was bragging about hardship, hard suffering, rather than honorable success. For that, let me read again verse 23 and then 29. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again. Can you show the Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24? Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was pelted with a stone. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in the danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from the false believers. I have labored and toiled, have gone, often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily pressure over my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. The main argument and content of a Paul's boasting is that he served Christ more than anyone, more than any of his opponent. In verse 23, Paul repeated the word more several times. Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I work much harder. I've been prisoned more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death more than anybody again and again. Paul worked harder and suffered more than anyone in the New Testament. Here, in the Paul's litany of a suffering, we can divide into three areas. First, external suffering at the hands of others. Second, loss of ordinary uh, necessity of a life, such as food, clothing, and shelter. Three, inward stress from worries about his church. So Paul suffered externally, internally, and uh, social, you, you name it, all there's not a single area that he was exempted from you know, his, uh, his, his suffering. Now, here on this second point, I want us to make, I, I make a three observations. One, I realize from this list, there are a lot of Paul's suffering that we don't know in detail. You know, we think we know Paul well because the book of Acts described his life and ministry more than anyone's. But only few fractions of Paul's suffering, suffering accounts here in the 2 Corinthians chapter 11 are actually found in the Luke story of Paul. Obviously, Luke joined Paul in the middle of his second missionary journey at Troas, Luke chapter 8, I mean Acts chapter 16. Today's text tells us there are more amazing stories about Paul than what is written in the book of Acts. So definitely when we meet Paul, you know, we can probably ask him all the details that were missing. And here is observation one. Likewise, there are many, often many things 
We don't know about each other, especially about the extent of uh, other people's suffering. So let us not assume that we know somebody's suffering when we hear about the suffering. We cannot surmise the depth of the suffering of other people. We just listen. We ask questions, okay? Number two, I noticed here that for Paul, to be in Christ means to be in danger. Look at the verse 26. Here, Paul repeated the word danger eight times. He said, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and danger from false believers. Danger, 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 danger. Paul is saying, to be in Christ means to be in danger. To follow Christ means to face danger all the time. To know Christ means to know suffering love. We're not talking about suffering love in some kind of a pious way. We are talking about, when Paul talking about suffering love, he was talking about literal, physical, serious, suffering love. Christ followers, let me hear me clearly. Christ followers are not strangers to dangers. Christ followers are no strangers to dangers. Danger is the middle name for true Christians. As Jesus was a danger to Jewish religious status quo, his followers also became dangerous to others who hold man-made hegemonies. So brothers and sisters, know this. Throughout history, Christ's followers pose a social political dangers to status quo. Think about it. And where we are in our, in our country, in this politically and you know, so many ways are racially, socially divided. Christians always pose danger to social status quo because we speak for God and we stand up for the poor and voiceless and marginalized people. Third, I'm convinced from Paul's you know, sharing that suffering for Christ is a true honor of a life. What we will be proud of ourselves at the end of our life and when we stand before God are not successes, but are sufferings for our suffering Savior. At the end of a life, the real miserable people are not those who do not have a success, but those who do not have a suffering worthy to be told or shared. Suffering that makes others grateful and suffering that honors Christ that is something that we will bring to Christ, bring to God, and uh, we will throw that as our crown to crown to, crown to, to our King. Book of Revelation tells us that at the end, all the saints worshiping before God, and they will take off their crown and throw at the feet of Christ. I think that crown is none other than suffering testimony. And sometimes I suspect that God is more pleased with my failure more than with my successes. Because the failures usually come through suffering and vice versa. Again, the mis real miserable people at the end and those who have a success 
but not worthy to be told before suffering Christ. And those who miss the honor of a suffering Christ. So I want to tell all of you, let us follow Christ, even in danger, because for us danger is honor, because Christ took all the dangers for us. So that uh, cliche that uh, we often hear from house churches, churches, house church, church, churches, that suffer, give, and die, that's a great way to live a Christian life. Let us face the danger of a life, especially for Christ, as our great honor. Now, let me move on to the third point. So, holy bragging is a hesitant, first point. Second point, holy bragging is about a hardship. It's not about uh, success. It's about suffering. And the last point is a holy bragging is a humble to highlight Christ. It's a humble. So let me read that for that verse 30 to 33. If I must boast, I'll boast of things that show my weaknesses. The God and the Father of Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, governor under King Aretas had a city of Damascians guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in the basket from window in the wall and slipped through his hand. Here, Paul, the last thing he talked to Corinthians about bragging, his is uh, you know uh, his his escape from the first uh, danger that he experienced in his Christian life. Do you all know that Paul went to Damascus to persecute the Christians? But on the way, he met risen Christ, and he was converted, and then he went to Damascus as a blind man, and the Ananias, disciple came, Ananias, came and explained the rest of the gospel, and Paul received Christ and got baptized. Do you remember? And then right away, he began to preach the gospel. As a result, those Jews, Jewish people who were you know, champion, you know, waiting for Paul to persecute Christians, they were totally shocked, and they felt that he's preaching was such a danger, they decided to you know, arrest and kill him. So they bribed the king of Damascus to arrest Paul. And the Paul is now telling us how he, God helped him to escape. Now, Paul could have simply say, God saved me. Why does he go in detail here? Details such as, especially verse 33, that I was lowered in basket from window in the wall and slipped through his hand. You have to know this. Paul's bragging is all about Christ's strength, not his own strength. In order to bring up the Christ's strength, Paul is showing his humility and his weakness. He's a, you know, even to the point of a, you know, being a coward and shame. And uh, you have to read this uh, Paul's uh, details of escaping the uh, threat of uh, death through the uh, lowering through the lowering in the basket by the uh, coming down the wall, because this is a very intentional description. To understand that, we have to know this. In the at the time, ancient people, special Romans, 
Do you know what is a number one uh, a military glory that Romans recognize? They give, they call it uh, corona, what is it, moralis. Corona moralis. In Latin, it means world crown. Lee, show the picture. Corona moralis was a given to a soldier who climbed the wall, the fortress of enemies first, and conquered that part of the wall so the rest of the uh, conquering uh, uh, army could climb and then, you know, win the victory. So first soldier who climbed that uh, scale up the wall received this corona moralis or the, the crown that is a shape of the wall. By the way, all the Western kings' crowns have uh, this motif. When you look at the older kings, they have uh, something kind of, uh, you know, what is it, two-third kind of thing. It all came from this ancient, you know, Corona Morales. And here, the picture that you see is the uh, goddess Taiki in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Greek, but in uh, Latin is actually Fortuna, god of a fortune, goddess of a fortune. And guess what she's wearing? She's wearing this uh, Corona Morales. And so Paul, by the way, again, this is like the highest military bravery and honor. In today's term, it's more like a, a, a congregational, you know, a congressional medal of honor. You know, the one military medal that a president actually gave to the most brave soldier, the medal of honor, that's the Corona Morales. And the whole idea is a scaling up the wall. But Paul is telling us what? What was he doing when he became a follower of Christ? He didn't scale up. He didn't show his courage. He scaled down from the wall like a you know, coward, you know, like a baby in a basket. A commentator said, when the first you know, readers read this part, they might burst into laughter. They might burst into laughter. Because it's such an inglorious, not a glorious, inglorious escape. And the readers did not miss. Paul was talking about his humility, his weakness. And here is a point. You know, when Paul was talking about these super apostles, about his, you know, the, the, the validity of his apostleship, you know, Paul had a lot of great stories to tell, especially his healing. If you look at the book of Acts, Paul has incredible healing stories. He healed so many people. Eh? He casted so many demons. You know, if you look at the story of his story in the, book, uh, in the church of uh, you know, Ephesus, it's a comical and incredible. Do you remember that even, you know, handkerchiefs and people just, people took a Paul's, you know, any clothing and they put in the sick people and they were healed. So many people healed by just anything related to Paul that a, a Jewish, you know, exorcist, they kind of, uh, they want to make money. So they, they, they were casting demon in the name of Paul and then demon was a sort of offended and said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? And then he jumped on them and they, you know, overpowered them and they all fled with the naked. Do you know that story? Paul has uh, so many power encounters that he could brag about. He could have said, 
these super apostles, have they healed any one of you? Cast any demon? Paul could talk so much about his own achievement and strength. But Paul didn't. Why? Paul does not want does not just win the does not just win the Corinthians or his against his opponent or super apostles. But Paul, he doesn't want to win. He just win them to Christ. For Paul, bragging is not a self-ego, it's about ego. It's a bragging about the grace and love of God. Paul didn't want them to recognize him as a hero or a victor. Oh, Paul is better than us. That's not Paul's intention. Paul wants them to recognize Christ is a real victor and hero, and Christ can use anybody who is humble. That's what Paul is trying to do. Amen? This is what bragging about. Paul was not bragging about himself. He said bragging about God who strengthened him through his weaknesses. Hallelujah. That is a true holy bragging. Holy bragging is glorifies God. Through our humility, through our love, through our gratitude. When we surrender to God and participate in His suffering, even in danger, even in loss, guess what? That's the suffering and honor that we will cherish forever. I pray God grant each one of us spiritual strength, not to just to achieve, achieve, achieve success, but endure suffering, face the danger, and welcome the shame for Christ as a greatest honor and glory in life. Let us pray.